0: Well, hi, everybody. Hey, that was two services in a row with a real good response. So thank you, thank you. Thanks for coming out today. I say that all the time, but I mean it. I'm so glad that you decided, well, it's hot and horrible outside, so it's not like you want to be outside today anyway. But thanks for coming here. Aren't you glad we have air conditioning? Man, I thought that would have elicited a much bigger response. But anyway, Uh, I'm glad that you are here. Um, I also want to welcome those of you who are watching online. I am so glad that you choose to watch these videos and that you choose to stay connected with, with our church and what God is doing here. And I hope that you experience God's presence as you watch a video through YouTube. But I do just want to say this. For those of you that watch online, If you live close enough to physically attend here, I would encourage you to do so because part of this whole church thing and growing with God is relationships that we we have with one another. and You just can't get that online. So if you live close enough, attend here. If you don't live close enough, find a local church in your community to be a part of and engage and invest and build relationships there. Um, I I was looking on Facebook about, about a month ago and I saw this post somebody put up and it was just text and the text said, the more you miss church, the less you miss church. So, Anyway, just some of you will catch on to that later on. So anyway, glad you are here. Glad you are doing well. So uh, we are starting a new series today, but I don't want to tell you what it is yet uh, because I just like to make you squeamish. I mean, that's just, (laughs) might as well be honest, right? I I enjoy this little like tension and oh, I wonder what we're going to talk about. And here's the thing, I'll tell you in just a moment, but the name of this series is going to be a problem for some of us, okay? So I'm just, I'm giving you fair warning. Some of us, when we hear the name of the series, is two words. You're going to think these two words are an oxymoron, that like they don't belong together, they're not compatible. That will be some of us. Uh, some of us are going to get real frustrated that we're talking about this topic in church. Uh, you think that the two don't belong together and you don't want to hear about this in church. Sorry to disappoint you ahead of time. Um, some of us are gonna are going to like, we're going to be so tempted to Tune out, whip out your phone, scroll, maybe click another video. Don't do that. But you are going to think like, man, I thought we didn't have to hear about this for another you know, few years, so why are we talking about it here? We're going to do that here. Um, the two words that make up the title of this series, I think, are two of the most divisive words in our culture today. They're, they might be the most divisive words. And so when you, when you see the title, when you hear the name, and if by the end of this message you just you want to vent and rant and you want to send me hate email, that's totally fine. My email is kevin at accesschurchonline.org. So I'm just kidding. That's not my email. But you can send it there, so. Or I'll take whatever hate email you want to send, to. So anyway, here is what we're going to be talking about for this series. Oh, man, nobody's excited. Weird. <laughs> Christian politics. No, those two terms are not oxymorons. They actually can exist together. We are going to talk about it. It is important. I know some of you don't want to hear it and you think there's no place in church, but this is what we're going to talk about throughout the course of this series. Now, I understand that we probably have quite a varied background of political preferences and opinions and our, how we were raised, stuff like that. So before we get into what this series is, let me tell you what this series isn't, Okay? This series is not a a promotion of a certain particular candidate or position or office, and we are not going to tear down a certain candidate or position or office. We're not going to do that. This series is not about me trying to tell you who to vote for during the next election. We're not going to put you on some sort of guilt trip that if you don't vote this way, how can you love God? None of that sort of stuff we're going to talk about. This series is not a Republican conservative series. And it is not a Democrat-liberal series. This is a biblical series. And so throughout the course of this, we are going to be taking a look at God's instructions as it relates to Christian politics. Now, if you're here today or you're watching online and you don't consider yourself a Christian for whatever reason, uh, number one, I'm glad you're here, glad you're watching, but maybe you're just not sure about this whole God-Jesus-Church-Bible-Christianity thing, I want you to know that you are under no obligation to play along, okay? I mean, None of us are really under any obligation. We have free will. But if you do not consider yourself a Christian, you can just simply sit back and enjoy this service. And actually, I'm going to give you permission to judge those of us who are Christians on how well or how poorly we follow God's instructions. And, And here's the thing. As a church, you know, we're a Christian church, we talk about this first word, week in and week out. I mean, every single week we are looking at God's principles for our lives. What does the Bible have to say about these situations? What does it mean to live out a relationship with God in different areas of life? But very rarely do we address politics, at least specifically. Now, you might think that a lot of the topics we talk about are political. They certainly can be. But this series is really just kind of a, a moment for us to pause and reflect. What would God have to say if he could look into our lives, our American lives, American Christian sort of thing. What would God have to say about our politics as it relates to Christianity? Now, the reason that I want to talk about this series is really something that I, I, I noticed the most last year, but I think it's been happening in, for American Christians anyway, for, for the past few decades. It just It just really escalated and spiked this last year with all of the you know, fun and joy that 2020 brought with COVID and political season and business closures and masks and all that sort of stuff. But I have perceived, now this is not like me pointing the fingers at anybody, so don't don't take this personally, but I have perceived that as a whole, as an American Christian culture, those of us who are Christians, I have perceived that we have slowly made some changes in how we view the world and how we approach certain things of life and I think subconsciously we've made a shift and that shift is this, that we've shaped Christianity through the lens of our politics. Let me explain what I mean by that. I think, generally speaking, when you look at Christians in America, the, it, it's political passions and values and ideas that are more foundational for most Christians than our faith issues. I think in 2020 it was apparent, if we're honest with ourselves, we can all see that more Christians in our country were concerned, talked about, preoccupied with, gave money to, posted on social, everything in our lives seemed to revolve more around politics. And because politics was our foundation layer, was like the base, was the core, we then interpreted Christianity through that lens. It was like politics was more important than Christianity. And I am not trying to say that politics is not important. Politics is incredibly important. Policies and values and words and people and all those things are important. I wish, this is just me personally, I wish that more Christians would engage in political things, in political conversations, in political, you know, voicing our opinions, in running for office at every level of government. We need to engage more. But the problem is, is that slowly our politics became more of a core issue, more foundational. And I just think that's backwards. I don't think that's the way God would want it to be. Instead, I think this is what God's heart for us would be, those of us who are Christians, that instead we ought to shape our politics through the lens of Christianity. That our relationship with God ought to be the foundational issue and everything else pours out of and lines up with that. I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans uh, He says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, he's writing to Christians, to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Very important word. Because of that. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that you will find acceptable. Why? Because this is truly the way for us to worship him. He goes on to say this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but instead let God transform you. Let him transform us into a new person by changing the way you think because then, you and I, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think what Paul was writing in Romans and what God would say to us is this, that our, the foundation for our lives ought to be, not that it has to be, but because of everything that God has done for us. Okay, imagine a curtain right here Okay, if you don't know why people are laughing around you, that's because you didn't watch the last series. So no curtain talk. Because of what God has done for us, because we have been made right with him through faith in Jesus Christ, because he is so gracious, because he is so loving, because he has invited us into his presence, because of that, let God transform us. Let's let's have our relationship with God be now the new starting point, the new foundation for every aspect of our lives. Now, is Paul talking about specifically politics in these verses? No, absolutely not. This is just a general principle for Christians in all situations. But politically speaking, I think he would say, hey, don't copy the behaviors and customs and what everybody else does with politics. Don't get caught up into the same political traps as everybody else. Don't feed into that, you know, attack ads and cutting other people down and not caring. Like, don't fall into that thing. Instead, let your relationship with God transform you. And so that's, that's what this series is about. What does God have to say about politics as it relates to our faith and how do those two mix together? Now, I don't know if you're up on all your current slang terminology that's popular with the youth of today. Um, I am more and more aware every day of how old I'm getting by the fact that I don't know what certain slang words mean. And my daughters are 10 and 7. They're going to be teenagers soon. And I'm already preparing myself for a time when they just look at me with disgust because I don't know what their words mean and like I use them in the wrong way. So anyway, yay, me. Um <clears throat> There's, there's, there's new slang terms out there. I don't know if you've heard them or not. There's this one I see on TikTok. Yes, I watch TikTok videos because they're absolutely hilarious. But it's, sheesh is the word. And they'll like put out their arm and point to their elbow and go, sheesh, in like the most annoyingly long way possible. I don't know what that means, okay? I'm an old guy. I don't know what sheesh means. I feel stupid even saying it. Yeet is another word. Any of you heard of yeet? I have no idea what "eat" means. Sounds like a vegetable I don't want to eat, okay? Um, finna? You heard of finna? I think finna means like I'm gonna, like I'm finna, go to the store. Well, Just say gonna, god dang it. So anyway, I don't know slang terms anymore and I feel like an old man. But there is a term that's out there that I know what it means. I hope, it, at least I hope it's still popular or else I'm going to feel really old. But this is a slang term, salty. Y'all know what salty means? Everybody here is Okay, if you haven't heard of salty, let me explain. Salty is basically, honestly, a derogatory term you call somebody else who's angry all the time, who's just frustrated, who's easily irritable. That's a salty person, okay? So let me give you some examples. In rush hour traffic on I-35, I am a salty person, very salty, okay? Dead Sea looks pristine compared to me, all right? Um, at elementary school parking lots when parents can't figure out how to park, very, very salty person, okay? Um, if you if you know somebody, I won't, won't make you identify this in yourself, but if you know somebody who every time they go out to eat, they have to complain about the food to the server, that's generally a salty person, okay? if If you know somebody who's still bitter and upset about a card game they lost 15 years ago, that's a salty person. So that's, that's salty. And I don't know if you like to send memes to your friends like I like to send to my friends, but there are some great memes about being salty that I just have to show you. So this is fantastic. And you you never send these to the people who are being salty, right? You send it to somebody else and make fun of the salty person behind their back because that's the Christian thing to do. But anyway, saltiness is strong. This one I've used quite a bit just because it makes me laugh. And because we're in a political series, I had to choose this one. I mean, Trump, all these flavors, and you chose to be salty. So that's a good one right there. Here's the thing. We can all get, we've probably all been salty before, and we can get salty about different things. But I think there's something in our lives that makes all of us equally salty, and that's politics, isn't it? politics seems to be an equal opportunity offender for every single one of us. No matter what side of the aisle you find yourself on, whether you like politics or you love politics, it's just a topic that seems to bring out the worst in us, isn't it? We get angry, we get frustrated, we say things we don't mean to say, we abandon relationships that are important to us because of politics and like it's, it's just so bad and and especially over the last, you know, few elections with the rise of attack ads and social media's growth and the news and all, like, it's just become so easy for us to get salty as it relates to politics. There are some of us, some of us watching online, who we grew up with certain values and principles and ideas and definitions of words, and that's being challenged today in our political system. And when those sorts of core issues are challenged or trampled on, as some of us might feel, it's easy to get salty, isn't it? It's easy to get frustrated, easy to get angry. There are people in our world today who feel victimized, who feel oppressed, who feel like the world. And when that's, when that's reality, it's easy to get salty over that, right? Like, this, that's not hard for us to understand. If, if you and I, if we happen to lean to the left, well, we've been told by culture that everybody to the right is like an uncaring, machine-gun-toting racist, And if we happen to lean to the right, we've been told that everybody on the left is just, you know, uh, uh, an emotional socialist. And like, when that's constantly shoved down our throats day in and day out, all around us, it's easy for us to become salty. And here's what we're going to talk about today. What does God have to say about that? In our current culture, in our world, Christians in America 2021, what would God say if he could speak into the saltiness in our lives as it relates to politics now interestingly enough jesus actually tells his followers to be salty if you did not grow up going to church or you're not familiar with reading the bible that might come as a shock to you but that is 100 true jesus told his followers you guys need to be more salty now that we find this in the middle of something that we call the sermon on the mount The Sermon on the Mount is a long, lengthy teaching from Jesus towards the beginning of his work and ministry here on this earth. And that's where he talks about blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. He talks about divorce and prayer and money and also very, very applicable teaching for our lives. But it's in the middle of that that he brings up this idea about being salty. And this is what Jesus says. He says, You, talking to his listeners, but also God talking to us, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? No, it'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot. It's worthless. Now try and put yourself in the original listener's shoes, okay? You don't know what he's going to say next. You've never read the Bible before because the the Bible doesn't exist yet. And imagine you're hearing Jesus talk about, you're the salt of the earth. Like, what, do you know what he's talking about? No, I don't know. Do you know what he's talking about? I don't know either. Like, Jesus, what— what do you mean being salt of the earth? Okay, like I know showers haven't been invented yet, but like, why well, you got to cut us down like that, Jesus. So what, what's up with all this saltiness? So again, I'm reading in between the lines. Maybe they weren't thinking that, but Jesus goes on to say something different then. Get his point across. Okay, maybe not salt. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And I can imagine, again, this is just me speculating, but I can imagine his original audience and maybe even some of us today watching online, are going, what in the world are you talking about, Jesus? What is this salt talk? What is this, like, do we put salt on a light? Does that make it burn? Like what? Jesus, get to the point. No more metaphors, no more salt and light. Just tell us what you mean. And he does. This is what he finishes up with. In the same way, the same way as salt, same way as light, let your good deeds shine out for all to see why so that everyone will praise your heavenly father and jesus gets right to the point says all this salt talk all this light talk it's about one thing purpose purpose salt has a purpose salt exists for a reason it's to flavor and preserve things And if salt loses its ability to do its purpose, it's not valuable anymore. Throw it away. It's just white crystals. Get rid of it. Light has a purpose. Light exists for a reason. It would be foolish to turn on a light and then put a cover up. Like, that would just be dumb. And what Jesus was telling his first century listeners, and I believe what God would say to us, those of us that are Christians, he would say to each of us, you have a purpose. Don't forget that. You have a purpose. You have a reason for existing. Our purpose as human beings is to know God, to have a relationship with him, and then once that is established, then God wants us to be a part of extending and reaching others. It all comes back to reaching others. That's the mission that God has for Christians. I believe the reason that God doesn't just bring us to heaven as soon as we put our trust in Jesus is because of this so that our lives can be used to reach and draw other people close to God through Jesus Christ. I think what Jesus is saying, is, "Hey, let the way, Christian people, the way we live our lives, ought to be lived in such a way that people who aren't Christians are attracted and want to become Christians. Those of us who are close to God, we ought to live in such a way that is so attractive, so appealing, so patient, that even though people might disagree with us, they're like, inexplicably drawn to want what we have. Maybe they don't even know yet, but our lives are for a purpose so that everyone will praise God, so that everybody will know God. And I think when it comes to Christian politics in our country today, I think that we have lost sight of our purpose. And I'll include me in that too. I think those of us who are Christians, politically speaking, maybe in some other areas too, but for sure here, we have lost sight of our God-given mission. We have become so focused on getting our candidate into office. We've become so focused on passing the policies that we want. We've become so focused on sharing our opinions about masks and vaccines and business closures. And listen, all of that stuff is important. I am not trying to say that we shouldn't talk about that. But we have become more concerned about getting people onto our side of the political aisle then we are concerned about getting them into heaven. And I just don't think that's right. I think that's a problem. I think God would look at us and say, be salty. I've given you a purpose. Don't forget. Don't get so wrapped up in politics, even though it's important, even though it affects our lives, even though we ought to engage in it. Don't let that become the main thing. Don't forget what you have been called to do. So how do we change that what do we do what, what do we do with that okay we're supposed to be biblically salty unfortunately we've become more culturally salty than biblically salty so how do we change that right paul wrote in romans to be transformed how do we do that and listen again if you're not a, if you're not a christian i want to make this abundantly clear i understand there is no impetus to change don't change keep doing what you've been doing live life how you want to live But for those of us who have been connected in a relationship with God through no effort of our own and have eternity promised and experienced God's presence in our lives, how should we interpret the politics of our lives in light of that and in light of our purpose, our mission from God? And really, I think it starts with just being more aware. I think we forget, we tend to forget, we live life in such a tangible right now world. We tend to forget how salty and what type of salty we are supposed to be. Colossians is a letter written by a man named Paul. and He wrote it while he was in prison and he wrote it to a group of people that he'd never met before. And it's a fantastic letter. It's four chapters long, easy read, super good. You can read it later on this afternoon if you've never read it before. But Towards the end of Colossians, Paul asks for these believers, these Colossian people, to pray for him. He's in chains, he's in prison. He says, guys, Please pray for me. Pray that I don't shrink back. Pray that I don't fall away. Pray that I keep sharing the message of Jesus. Pray that I have the right words to say at the right time to the right people. I don't want my circumstances to get in the way of what God has called me to do. So he asked them to pray for him. But the very next thing he says, the next sentence without without breaking thought or anything, he says this, You be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace and seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. Here's what I think Paul is saying to these Colossian believers. What God is saying to us is, hey, hey, hey listen up. This, uh, this mission from God, this purpose from God, this sharing his message, this isn't just for me. This is for everyone. This is for all Christians. Be wise. Make the most of the opportunities. Paul Paul is saying, listen, when you come in contact with somebody who is not a believer, don't waste that opportunity. Don't put something in the way. Remember what's most important. Let your conversations be so attractive and so good that they will be drawn to that. Now, again, is this specifically for politics? No, no. This is a general principle for all of Christian life. But if Paul were to write specifically about politics, if you were to take this principle and write about a narrow application, I think he would write something like, hey, be wise in the way you act towards people on the opposite side of the political aisle, especially if they're not Christians. Be wise. Don't rush into things. Don't, don't treat them the way that the world's like. You have been called to something different. You have a purpose is different be wise. When God gives you an opportunity to interact and engage with them, don't waste that opportunity. When we have conversations, Paul's not saying not to talk about political issues or any issues. We should. But when you and I have conversations about policies and candidates and government, whatever else it might be, taxes, when we have those conversations, it should be so patient and so loving and so gracious, and God's character ought to shine out through us. Be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Paul's saying, don't make the main thing winning an argument. Don't make the main thing making your point. Keep the main thing drawing people to God through Jesus Christ. Be salty. And Colossians is not the only place that Paul talks about this or that New Testament writers address this. In Philippians, he says that Christians ought to live their lives shine like like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Don't you just, let's just be honest, don't you just love that terminology? (laughs) Because here's the thing. No matter what side of the political aisle you fall on, we tend to look at people on the opposite side as crooked and perverse, right? Right? This would mean yes. If you're a Republican, you think Democrats are crooked and perverse. And if you're a Democrat, you think Republicans are crooked and perverse. And that's just natural. We think, how could you vote like that? How could you think like that? How could you value that? How could you want that for a country? How could you change this? Oh, just yuck. Oh, I don't want anything to do with you. Gross. But Paul would say, hey, even when you're dealing with those people, even in politically charged situations, don't forget your purpose. Shine like a light. You and me, Christians, we represent the character of God wise in the way you act towards outsiders. In 1 Corinthians, he says that Paul he tries to find common ground with everybody, with as many people as he can. Why? To reach them, to save some, to help draw people into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, Paul did not agree with everybody. Paul had different values than, than popular culture would say. Paul had many confrontations with people over different things, over religious things, over cultural things, maybe over political things. I have no idea. But he says this, I want to try and find common ground for one reason and one reason alone. Because I want them to be connected with God. I want them to have a relationship with God. Now that doesn't mean he didn't talk about other issues as well. He did. He covered things. But Paul never let a political or a cultural or a religious barrier stand in the way of somebody knowing Jesus. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, he encourages people in one of his letters, hey, always be ready to talk about your faith in Jesus. Always be ready to share the message of Jesus. But when you do, do it in a gentle and respectful way. He says later on, he says, that way, even if people come against you, even if people argue against you, even if people fight against you, the way you live your life is going to be your defense. Your relationship with God is going to be your defense in those situations. James the half-brother of Jesus himself says this. He says, And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Now, when he said these words, it was in the context of a religious kind of rift between Jewish people and Christian people. So this is this is a religious context. But the same thing is true and just as applicable in our world today as it relates to Christian politics. We should not make it difficult. Those of us who have experienced the presence and the glory of God because of faith in Jesus and not because we had to try hard, not because we had to work for it, not because we had to pay him back, not because we had to give money, but just because of the grace and goodness of God, we should not make it difficult for anybody else to experience that same thing that we have. If there is any sort of barrier, including political, if there is a political barrier in the way of someone knowing God through Jesus, we ought to do everything we can to remove it and get it out of the way. And when it comes to Christian politics, the most important thing to remember is the most important thing God's heart is to reach and draw as many people as he can to himself. And he has called those of us who are Christians to join him in that mission. Be salty. So, we all got that one down pat, right? Piece of cake. Let's, let's move. We probably don't even need to go through the rest of the series. Not true, huh? It's one thing to know about something. It's one thing to hear we're supposed to be salty. It's even one thing, okay, I should be more aware of it. I should try harder sort of thing. But it is another whole thing to actually live that out, right? And here's something I know about all of you. Here's something I know about those of you watching online because I know it about me. We can't do this on our own. We just can't. We can try. We can have good intentions. We can put it on a post-it note and try and remember. But left to ourselves, our natural tendency as human beings will always be towards being culturally salty instead of being biblically salty. I know that's what happens in my life if it's just up to me in fact in the spring of last year spring of 2020 i actually had to make a decision to get off of social media altogether uh, with the election season and that was the start of covid and protests down in the cities and like i i just couldn't take it i was becoming so salty and frustrated in political issues that it was spilling out into other areas of my life and relationships and with my family and like it just it wasn't good and so my wife after a couple nudges told me, hey, just get off Facebook. I did. I, I got off of all social media altogether. And let me say, I experienced a lot of peace because of that. Now, I don't know if that's peace from God or if that's just peace from not putting garbage into my mind every single day. But in either case, I experienced some peace. But here's the thing. That sounds tempting, doesn't it? Let's just, let's just run away. Let's just put our head in the sand. Like, let's, let's just not have to deal with this at all. But we've been called as Christians to reach the world. How can we reach the world if we run away from the world? all the time we have been called to be salty to draw people close to god but you and i we just cannot do that on our own no matter how hard we try we are incapable of doing that and that's where spending time with god comes into play that's why we talk about it so much here because spending time with god really is the answer to all of life's problems Jesus says this in John 15. He says, "'Remain in me, and I will remain in you. "'For a branch cannot produce fruit "'if it is severed from the vine, "'and you cannot be fruitful "'unless you, for the second time, remain in me. "'Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, "'those who, in case we didn't get the first two times, "'remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. "'For apart from me, you can do nothing.'" It is only as you and I spend time with God that we are transformed on the inside. It is only as we build our relationship with God closer and stronger than ever that our hearts are softened. It is only as we spend time with God that that we experience his love and it is so fulfilling and so freeing and so satisfying that it just overflows out of us into all aspects of our lives including politically. And I think the root issue behind christian politics and the reason that so many of us have become culturally salty instead of biblically salty myself included the root issue is we have not done this enough we just haven't spent enough time with god we haven't been in his presence enough his character hasn't changed us on the inside and so when we're frustrated and we're bothered you know what comes out us and not god But if we remain in him, if we spend time with him, that's where fruit is produced that you and I, we just can't make it happen on our own. And listen, over the next several weeks, we're going to keep diving into this topic of Christian politics and what it looks like and how it plays out in different areas. And and I know that some of us probably have lots of questions and you're thinking, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, but what about that? And what in this situation? We're going to get to all that, okay? This is just the introduction, week one. But it all starts Here, it all starts in you and I getting closer to God, spending more time with him. I want to leave you today with a question. And just warning for all of us, this question is horrible, okay? It is a revealing question. It is a soul-searching question. I don't like my honest answer to this question more often than not, okay? So maybe you want to get out your phone and snap a picture of this. But here's the question. Am I more upset about someone's political position over their eternal position? You can only answer for you and I can only answer for me. But am I more upset? Am I more salty? Am I more bothered by the way someone votes than the fact that they might spend an eternity in hell away from God? Because if you and I answer this question honestly, left to ourselves, we will all answer yes to this question. Yes, I'm more bothered by politically. That's just because of the world we live in. Politics is that important. But if we would stop and pause, we can use this question as like a warning light, as a reminder. You know, when your check engine light comes out of your car, oh, something's bad, I better get it taken in. This can serve that purpose in our lives. The next time that we have a conversation with a neighbor or a family member or a coworker, or a social media or you're just watching the news and we feel our blood pressure start to rise up because of political issues, we can use this question as a moment to pause and reflect. Am I more bothered by their political views, their political position over their eternal position? Because I know God's heart is to be much more concerned about this one. The only way that you and I can get there, the only way we can be the type of salty that God wants us to be, is to spend time with him. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. I just want to take a moment and want us to simply talk to God, to enjoy his presence and to ask him to do his work in us. So would you would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your incredible, amazing without equal sort of love. Honestly, Father, thank you for loving us. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. We can't pay you back for it. We, like there, we are so, so ill-equipped to try and earn your love. But thank you, Father, that your love for us remains. Thank you that you proved that by sending Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. And Father, right now, those of us who are Christians in the room, Christians watching online, Father, right now we are going to open ourselves up to you and give you permission, God, to do your work in our hearts. It's scary. Some of us, if we're honest, we don't want to do that. (laughs) We like the way we've been. But Father, this ultimately comes down to a a trust issue. It comes down to a, a heart issue, understanding your heart. And so Father, we voluntarily open up ourselves to you. God, may you transform us to be the people that you want us to be. May may your heart become our heart, Father. May the way you see the world be the way that we see the world, Father. I pray, God, that you would, through your presence, through your love, through your forgiveness, through your patience with us, may our relationship with you, God, absolutely transform how we view this world. And Father, even when it comes down to politics, We have such strong convictions. We have such strong beliefs. We were raised a certain way. Those are important things to us. But Father, I pray nothing would take your place. May you and your heart be most important to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.